0: You're listening to the Hire Through Retire podcast, brought to you by Voya Financial. We're talking to the best and brightest in the industry to bring you the latest in benefits, savings, and investment trends in the workplace, tackling all things from 401ks to HSAs and everything in between. Come along with us on our journey to help all individuals become well-planned, well-invested, and well-protected.
1: Welcome back to the Hire Through Retire podcast. I'm Allison Dirksen. I lead our sales for wealth solutions across Boya. I am really excited uh, to be joining you today as your guest host for today's episode. Today we have an incredibly exciting episode, one that topically we're bringing back by popular demand. And that is to really hear about a current market update. It's near and dear to myself, our guest speaker, as well as everyone joining us. So joining the conversation today with me is a guest while new to the podcast, definitely not new to Voya, and that is our very own Barbara Reinhardt, Senior Portfolio Manager and Head of Asset Allocation in our asset management business. Barbara is a frequent guest and contributor to many financial media outlets, including Bloomberg TV and CNBC, where she provides her fantastic insights and outlook on what's going on in today's market. So without further ado, Barbara, thank you so much for being here today. I'm, I'm personally thrilled to have you and I know our audiences too. Thank you, Allison. All right, well, Barbara, not only are we appreciative to have you here today, there's just so much to talk about. The, the economy can be impact in many different ways. But what I'd like to do is maybe have you start with a broad update for our listeners. Um, market uncertainty, you know, it's no stranger. It's no stranger to you and I or any of our consumers today. And particularly given all the swings we've experienced over the past several years. But in light of all of that, can you kind of give us just an overview of Voya's investment management perspective on the current market environment, and really how that's shaping decisions your team makes on a daily basis. Well,
0: Allison, thank you. You know, we came into 2023 uh, having had a bruising bear market over the past year in both equities and fixed income. Investor sentiment had been very depressed. There were lots of concerns that the U.S. economy was going into a recession. And then to top it all off, we had a bank failure in the beginning of March. And a lot of those things have caused a confluence of investors to start to position very bearishly lots of concern that the U.S. was slipping into you know, a pretty big crisis that had some financial implications to it with having the four regional lenders in the U.S. file for FDIC protection. But Here we are in the middle of June, and things are looking actually relatively good. So at the beginning of the year, there was a talk that the first half would be very difficult. Second half would be much better. And lo and behold, we are just about halfway through the year, and the S&P 500 is registering almost 12 to 13% gains for this year, and uh, there's no sign of a recession in sight. We've had some good relief on some things that have been causing the market some discomfort. So inflation is coming down. We've had consumer prices starting to fall pretty substantially on a year-over-year basis. While we're not down at the 2% uh, target that the Fed looks for for consumer prices, we are making very good progress in that direction. Across the board, the base effects for inflation are falling pretty steadily at this point. It is sticky. We'd like to see things falling a little bit faster. But we do think that there's going to be a lot of relief on inflation over the course of the rest of this year, specifically on rental inflation which has been somewhat problematic for the market. We know it takes a while for rents to come down after housing prices have peaked. But by September, it'll be a year ago that house prices had peaked in the US. And it takes about 12 months for rental prices to start to be reflected in the same type of direction. So we're very convinced and and clearly um, positioned for moving towards a slowing inflation. We think by the third or fourth quarter of this year, we will likely be at readings that are somewhere around 3%, which would be fantastic on the progress on getting inflation down, which has been so problematic for the markets over the past you know, past two years.
1: You know, Barbara, one of the words that stood out to me in, in, as you just were speaking there, and I, it's this naughty word, recession, right? And everyone's buzzing about it. We're wondering, is it going to happen? Is it not? And I got this sense of a little more optimism from you and your response of like, maybe we're not. Heading yeah. there, um, but can you explain further, maybe why you would consider the economy not heading that way, or mm-hmm. what are those indicators that could lead us into a recessionary period in our economy?
0: Well, when you think about recessions, you need to have two things unfold. Number one, you need to have significant weakening to the labor market, and we haven't seen that yet. That's number one. See so significant job losses. The second thing you need to see is the consumer also start to give up as well. And consumer spending has been relatively strong this year. U.S. consumers are being helped by really three things. The decline that we've had in inflation is giving a real boost or a real inflation-adjusted boost to their salaries. That's good news. You've also had a significant decline in gasoline and energy prices. That kind of puts money back into consumers' pockets. And then lastly, some of the significant fiscal stimulus, which was you know, poured out to consumers over the course of 2021, they still have those savings still built up. We think that's likely to carry the consumer through for the rest of this year. So while there are a number of financial indicators that point to your recession, things such as the yield curve uh, being inverted or OECD leading economic indicators rolling over. Yes, we, we do see that. But the 2020 recession wasn't an actual classic recession where you had a big private sector overreach, which is met with you know high and rising interest rates, that's generally what triggers recessions, that financial conditions get so tight that it becomes very difficult for, for the economy to continue to grow under the weight of those higher interest rates. We have found that the economy is much less interest rate sensitive, much more resilient than probably what people had expected. That's in part because uh, interest rates have been termed out. Many fixed rate mortgages are indeed very far out in the future, holding at rates of just 3%. And while it may be that little bits of the economy go into recession at certain parts of it, right, at certain times, So, so, you know, the technology sector was under a lot of pressure last year, housing's been under some pressure, the broader economy still tends to be very strong. And that's good news, because there are parts of it that are parts of the economy that are feeling weaker than others, but the overall picture tends to be relatively good. And that probably makes it that we avert recession over the course of at least the rest of 2023. As we start going further out, our forecast becomes a little bit more difficult to pinpoint what would happen. But I would say we're pretty confident, no recession for the rest of 2023. We'd be hard-pressed to see that with the employment gains that you've had over the course of this year, it would be difficult to see that you would probably have a, a recession really before the
1: second half of 2024 at this point. Well, some of that's good news, hopefully, to our listeners there. You know, one of the first things you said about indicators of recession, obviously, is job loss, but our most recent report on jobs in May yielded more than expected. Yet, at the same time, unemployment kind of starts to still tick up a little bit. So as we think about that, what insights can you share on how this trend not just affects hiring and recruiting for employers, but also... You know, how that might actually have an impact on the Fed rates and inflation going forward.
0: Well, sure. Look, the the Federal Reserve certainly has been very focused on inflation. And the Fed has long thought that there has been a direct relationship between tightness in the labor market and wages. But the funny thing about it is over the past six and twelve months, we've been averaging about 300,000 jobs a month. That is about double the rate that you need for new entrants coming into the labor force. And in through that whole time period, Allison, wages have actually started to cool. When you look at things like average hourly earnings, that has come down pretty dramatically. Even the Atlanta Fed wage tracker, which tends to adjust for mix of workers where average hourly earnings doesn't, that has also indeed started to roll over. So still at very high levels in terms of their peaks, but going in the right direction. And that tells us that the Fed may be able to back away from this narrative where they say that the labor market has to loosen in order to get inflation down. It may indeed be that the, you know, cooling that you've seen in wages is just coming from an aging economic cycle, which is not in recession. Labor gains have come off the boil, but you're still adding, you know, 300,000 jobs a month. That actually turns into
1: a soft landing. That could be a narrative that unfolds at least over the next six to nine months. Very interesting. And as we find ourselves, you know, we think about here we find ourselves in June, halfway through the year is nearing rather quickly. We're rounding out Q2 here. What issues then do you see as the most pressing for investors and what sectors do you think investors have the most opportunity in?
0: Yeah, well, there's certainly a lot of things that have happened and have been moving along, right? There's a very big AI craze going on at the moment. And you know, AI has propelled a number of parts of the technology sector for it, specifically, we think semiconductors, software, services, hardware, right? They're kind of all in boomtown. That in and of itself would be maybe a little bit worrying. You have to put it into the context of how beaten down the technology sector was last year. There were some uh, specific names in the tech sector that were down 40, 50, 60 percent last year. So seeing some type of a rebound this year is not a stretch. We do think that there are certain parts of the world that are much more favorable than others, right? The path of the U.S. dollar, which had been pretty much on a steady downward trend since the fourth quarter of last year, looks to be stabilizing. And if I had to take a a view of kind of where the best parts of the world are right now, we would point to the U.S. It looks like Europe still has an inflation problem. The European Central Bank has to do some more tightening, likely than the Federal Reserve does. The emerging markets are under, you know, some indeed some pressure uh, from China, which has not really had the type of reopening, I think, that a lot of investors would have expected. So when we think about it, it's kind of really comes back to the close to home stories, the one that is really most interesting. When we take a look at how um, other fund managers are indeed positioned, not many people are positioned for it either, which gives us a lot of a lot of comfort. But you've seen U.S. earnings revisions hook back up again. And uh, we think that the dollar's probably done the most of its depreciating that it's been doing so. So we would think that coming back into the U.S. is probably the best thing in terms of a global asset allocation.
1: That's a positive for us, you know, but it's so hard to sometimes sort through the noise, right, to be able to find that conclusion. And with there being so much uncertainty about what to expect in the future, I would just like to like think about let's closing wrapping up here for our listeners of what can we talk to employers who are listening in here to help their participants when it comes to navigating continued uncertainty which is the economy nothing is predictable what advice would you have when it comes to ensuring that plan participants you know stick to their plans and try not to get caught up in this roller coaster that we we see in the news that we read about online we see on social media Uh, to try to, and even on our balances that we check uh, more frequently, how can we kind of stay the course and clear that noise out?
0: There's a couple of things I'd like to leave you with. So one's a little bit of a story. So last year, nothing worked. Fixed income didn't work. Equities didn't work. I mean, there were very few places to hide last year where you could make a positive return. Cash was one of the few. Last year at its worst in October, a 60 40 portfolio so 60% S&P 500 40% uh, US aggregate bond index was down about 16%. There was not a newspaper in the country or even in the world that would didn't have the headline that said 60 40 portfolio is dead you should never invest this way again it's worked for 40 years it's not going to work for the next 40 years. Well if you just turn the page forward about 9 months a 60 40 portfolio is up about 10% this year. So you've recovered almost you know, the lion's share, about almost three quarters of your, of your losses at this point from last year. The way that you get those steady compounding of returns is that you do not give up on your investment plan at major market bottoms. When things start getting rough, that's when you need to say, I have a long time horizon. I have a lot more years to work at this point. And I'm going to stick to my plan because I know as an individual, I cannot time the market. That is probably one of the most important things I would share with our investors. The second thing I would also talk about is, you know, be careful on the frequency that you look with your statements, right? It's hard to conceptualize working for 40 years and building your nest egg towards retirement. Checking it every couple of days or every couple of weeks is not a good strategy, (laughs) Uh, one thing that we do in our household is we check our, we check our 401k balances on our birthdays every year. And the reason that we do is we take a look at the asset mix, we make sure that we're gliding down, we make sure that we're positioned for retirement, but we look at them just once a year. And it really has helped us step back from making those awful mistakes of um, you know selling when things are feeling really, really bad, or even worse, allocating more to asset classes that have already moved. So that's the second thing is don't open up your statements so often. And then the third thing I would tell everybody is no matter where you are in your career, right, the most important thing that you can do is save for retirement, even if it's just a little bit every single month. It is critically important to do. Those steady gains that you get to make are because you add to your, your retirement plan or your 529 plan or whatever you're saving for. You do a little bit at a time. That's the best way to do it. If you can put something aside out of your paychecks, if you just indeed escalate, if you're getting a raise um, one year, just escalate that you're putting the, the dollar amount of your raise, at a higher level into your retirement plan, boy, that's a great thing that you can do for yourself. So three things, don't give up on your 60-40 portfolios. They are working. It's way back for you. Number two, please don't check your statements so often. Once a year is fine. <laughs> uh, and then number three, keep on adding to your strategies because this the simple compounding a return comes through just putting a little bit in every time you get paid. That's what has done the best for so many of our plan participants when we look at all those types of big studies. Those are the three things that investors can do for themselves.
1: Oh, Barbara, thank you so much. That's been it's good advice even for those of us in the industry living and breathing this every single day. Sometimes it's it's about coming back to the basics, right? So, <laughs> appreciate not only your expertise Uh, but so happy to have you here to help us better understand the markets. I know our listeners have walked away with something that they all can learn from today. And uh, I will leave these kind of closing comments to Barbara's sentiments. It's so easy to get caught up in the short term. So Barbara's perspective, and I'd like all of you, as you wrap up listening today, think about that long-term implications since they are just so important for each one of you saving for the future. Thank you again for your continued support and to all our listeners today. And as always, thank you and stay well.
0: This information is provided by Voya for your education only. Neither Voya nor its representatives offer tax or legal advice. Any opinions expressed within do not necessarily reflect those of the Voya family of companies or its representatives and are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual. Please consult your tax or legal advisor before making a tax-related investment or insurance decision.